hallelujah, because he is able. Whatever you're going through, he is able and he is faithful. So believe what you sing, amen. Hallelujah, Lord. We give you glory in this place, Jesus, because you are worthy, Father.
you praise, Lord. You're a great God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Truth. 
always been, always will be. We honor you and we worship you today. You're worthy of our praise. Lord, your name, your name, the name above every name, the name above everything, the name that we worship today, the name that we honor today, the name that we magnify and speak of today and worship and sing about your name. We love and honor you today. We welcome you into this place. Lord, we belong to you. This place belongs to you. These moments belong to you. And we say thank you for being able to sing of your greatness today. What an incredible thing to sing about. We get to sing about the eternal King. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen. I mean, of all the things we can sing about, right? You know, you've listened to songs this week, I'm sure, about love, good songs, maybe songs about all kinds of things, but today we get to sing about the King of Kings. Isn't that an incredible thing? Amen. Well, hey, welcome to Praise Assembly this morning. Uh, let's take a few moments and greet each other. Uh, maybe there's somebody near you you haven't met before. This is your opportunity. Let's take some time and do that today. God bless you. Welcome to Praise Assembly. If this is your first time here or your second or third time here, we'd like to invite you to do something. There are connect cards in front of you. If you could grab one, complete it, fill it out, um, and, then sub and then turn it in to our guest services uh, center out in the lobby, that would be a huge help to us because we want to thank you for being here. And as I've said before, if you're not a person that's ever been somewhere new where you don't know anybody before, maybe it's been a long time, it's difficult to do that. So if this is your first time, we congratulate you for the courage to do that, and we're just so glad that you're here today. We're going to continue to worship in our giving. Again, offering envelopes are in front of you. You can go to our website under resources and you can give online if that's something that you'd like to do. Uh, just as a reminder, not today, but on the uh, 19th, the uh, Sunday before Thanksgiving, we're going to be giving toward Convoy of Hope. So that'll be an offering that'll be happening here in a couple weeks. But again, you can give uh, here in person or you can give online. But let's pray and just ask God's blessing over this time of worship. Lord, we worship your great name. We thank you that you are worthy of everything we possess. God, you are worthy of our, of our complete and total lives. And so today, uh, symbolically, Lord, we give out of joyful hearts, grateful hearts, recognizing that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And Lord, these gifts come from, again, hearts that are devoted to you. Bless it in every way in Jesus' mighty name. 
Amen. Worship team, appreciate you guys. Hey, a few announcements, and let's do the most fun ones first, okay? Let's do the most exciting ones first. If I could have that photo of that beautiful little girl up on the screen. Elsie Joy Nash joined us on this earth in person this past week. She is 19 and 3 quarters inch long and 7.8 pounds uh, and she is healthy, mama's doing well, 
And so congratulations to Noah and Nash and all her siblings. Uh, what a joy to be able to have a child that's uh, born healthy, and we just praise God with them. Um, we have some things that are be happening here. And uh, this coming Wednesday night will be our harvest dinner. So if you have not signed up for that, I'm trying to look out in the lobby here. I can't see the table. Is the table out there? Anybody see? Is that table still out there in the lobby? Some, anybody? No, okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure if you see Lucy today, Miss Lucy after church, and just say, hey, I didn't get my, you know, but I need this many. I think you may be able to slide it in because she has to go shopping tomorrow. But uh, that's coming up for girls' ministry. So if you could take care of that, that would be great. And that's always a great night. Uh, and again, that's this Wednesday the 8th. Uh, Spud the Light Day. Um, it should be a national holiday, but Spud the Light is potatoes. We're going to be doing baked potatoes loaded up. Um, on the 19th, as you can tell, the theme is we really want to, we want to feed you. That's our heart's desire here. And, uh, but spud the light of baked potato loaded. We've got several different toppings, and that is going to be uh, something that we're going to provide uh, $10 per, per loaded potato, and we're going to serve them on the 19th of November in a couple weeks uh, after service over in the cafe. So you can hang out with some friends. It's a much cheaper lunch. There's no waiter or waitresses to pay. You're in, you're in good shape that way. There's plenty of room over there. And uh, again, that'll be in the 19th. We'll be doing that. Uh, speaking of food, there's a theme here. Uh, November 10th at noon will be our Joy Group Potluck. So please uh, see Charlie and Linda if you have any questions for that. And again, that's on the 10th. And our One Day to Feed the World offering is also the 19th. That'll be happening um, on, um, on Sunday, November 19th. And then the last announcement is actually uh, to change something. So if you're in the young adults group, um, th there was a, a date that was put in there. It's actually the incorrect date, the correct date for the young adult Friendsgiving, because you spend Thanksgiving a lot of times with your family, but then there are other people that you just would love to spend that with. That is the 26th after church. So basically, you're not going to go hungry here at Praise Assembly. We're going to have all kinds of things going on. And uh, the Young Adults Friendsgiving, again, is the 26th. The Sunday after Thanksgiving will be the day that uh, that will be happening. So all kinds of things going on. Make sure you pay attention to that. And before I continue on with today's message, we actually have a video that's going to be talking about the One Day to Feel uh, the World offering and Convoy, the Ministry of Convoy of Hope that we've been partnering with for years. Let's check this out this morning. I love about Convoy of Hope is their partnership with churches because I've noticed this and, and discovered this in my life and uh, in, in, in time in ministry is that 
when, uh, when, when ministries partner with local churches, it's powerful because local churches are where you are and uh, where friendships are developed and you have relationships and contacts with people. And of all the people that Convoy feeds, they do it in partnership with local churches. And uh, that's really where the, the strength is. It's been said the local church, now we know Jesus is the hope of the world, but Jesus through the local church is the hope of the world. And uh, so praise God for the ministry of Convoy Hope. Again, that offering will be taken on the 19th where we challenge everyone to take what you make in a day and would you give it as an offering to the Lord through Convoy. Uh, before I speak this morning, uh, again, if you haven't, we're going to be receiving communion at the end. So if you haven't grabbed a communion cup around you, now's the time to slide your hand over and grab one. Make sure you have that uh, accessible to you because we'll be receiving it at the conclusion of today. Uh, before I speak, just want to welcome my father-in-law, Ronald Mickley, Pastor Ron Mickley. He has been ordained for 62 years and uh, he is a, uh, he's done, really there isn't much he hasn't done. Uh, in the way of ministry, and he's been such a great example to uh, his children and to me as a son-in-law, and I'm just so glad to have him here today. Uh, he's moved from the Midwest, lives in Virginia now, and we get to, we get to have him up to visit us for a bit, so we're great, real grateful to have him. So today, uh, Jesus said, we're going to be winding down that series here. Uh, soon because we're coming into the Christmas season. We have really just a great Christmas series. We're really excited about it as a staff. Uh, but uh, as, we're, as we're bringing the Jesus Said series to a conclusion, um, this one is, is a difficult message. It's very difficult. Um, I think it's difficult for me, and if I was just to, to be transparent, to be completely honest, is uh, I, I really value peace in my life. How many here value peace? Like when there's chaos and there's nonsense and craziness, it just, it just is difficult. It's a, it's a difficult way to live. I know maybe some of you here, for you know, various reasons, within your control, beyond your control, there's been chaos and craziness, and, and it, it tends to wear you down. It tends to make life very difficult. And uh, so when we're talking about uh, peace today, um, it's very difficult because... Uh, peace tends, a lack of peace tends to drain me significantly. And I can tolerate it for a while not having it, but it's, 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 a, it's a pretty important to me keeping my mental well-being. And one of the things that this is going to address is peace at home. And, and for, probably for many of you here and for me, uh, home has been that place of peace. It always has been. Even, even when I was a child, maybe things weren't as peaceful as they, they should have been, but it was always a place where you were accepted, always was a place where you were welcome. Uh, and, and in our house, because of the, the dual ethnicity of my parents, it was always a place for really cool food, you know, in our home. And so um, uh, this is going to, Jesus is going to address this directly. Um, and in the context of this passage, which I'll give you in just a moment, in the context here, we see that Jesus is sending out the 12. I mean, he's launching them out. Have you, have you ever launched somebody out? Maybe you train them at work, and then one day you said, you know what? Here you go. You know, this, this car to work on is yours, or this account is yours to begin to work on, or this project is yours to take from here, point C to point E, or whatever it might be. And launching people out. Maybe you've launched your kids out, right? 
and you've said, okay, you know, I've, I've taught you this and that, and now it's time to, for you to launch out. And uh, you know, I think there's a movie out there, it's an older movie now, Failure to Launch, you know? And uh, it's, it's one of those things that, that we hope, and our hope and our prayer is that when we launch people out, that they'll take what they've learned and they'll you know, be able to do what they need to do. And uh, Jesus is doing that with his 12. They've been around him a bit, have experienced his ministry, and he's launching them out. And he's, he's telling them who to go to. He's giving them specific directions of who to go to. He's giving them specific directions on what to take with them, you know, what to take, and how to travel, like how you're going to travel. Uh, he's giving them very specific things. If you know our pastor here, he, he really is the master of travel. He really is when it comes to getting a good deal, when it comes to bringing exactly what he needs and, and certain tricks of the trade, you know, little sleeves of instant coffee that, you know, he'll have just in case he gets jammed up somewhere with no, no coffee. And so he knows all those ins and outs. How many know some in and outs of travel? You've traveled enough, you kind of know some things to do. A few of you here, yeah. And it's, it's good to know our pastor, that's him. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's saying, this is how I want you to do it. This is what you need to look out for, how to travel, what to take. But then he also goes beyond that. And he begins to tell them almost prophetically some of the results of their travel. These are some of the things that may happen to you. These are some of the things you may experience. In the background of your travel, travel troubles, <laughs> you know, you're going to have trouble when you're on this journey here. And this is what's going on. This is what's actually happening here. And he also talks about having courage for your traveling, being able to have the courage and the fortitude to, to hang in there because you're understanding what's going on. And he also shares, and this is where we're going to uh, begin to read in the book of Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 to 37, he begins to give them some insight and share his motives for coming to humanity. Matthew 10, 34 says this, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, which doesn't seem very difficult to me. <laughs> your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. Powerful scriptures. Very, very thought-provoking scripture. Very disturbing, maybe, to some. Now, for others here, you say, boy... <laughs> It's like you're reading the story of my life. You know, there's always been conflict in my family. People against this one, people against it. Maybe that's normal. But he's communicating something very different, which we're going to explore. This is not just family conflict as you might know it. This is family conflict over lordship. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But the first thing he says is, don't imagine that I came. We can imagine all kinds of things. You can be sitting here this morning, you had an interaction with somebody today, and you're imagining, 
Why did they say that? Why did they say that like that? I said, hello. Why didn't they say hello to me? And these are all things you can imagine up in your mind. What's going on? What's happening? And people can imagine a lot of things of why Jesus came. We can, we can imagine a lot of things. I'm sure in that day, there's a lot of reasons that uh, people thought why Jesus came. Now, for those that are followers of Jesus, maybe these are some of the things that we think about. Jesus came to make my life better. He came to, to make my life and bring it from here, which wasn't so good, to here. And we think that's why he came. Or he came to bless me. Or he came to maybe help my relationships, my marriage relationship, or my relationship with my children, or my relationship with my boss, or whatever it might be. But Jesus came to help my relationships. Maybe he came to help me become a better person. Maybe he came so that I could live a more fulfilling and purposeful life. There are all kinds of things that we imagine that Jesus came to do. Now that's for those that, that believe Jesus was God's son or followers of him. Maybe for others that, that reject Jesus, that reject who he is, uh, recognize that he existed, but you know, uh, uh, either reject that he's God's son or they know he's God's son, but they reject his lordship or him being in charge. Those that way may, might think like the demons in the Gospels that he came to destroy us is what the demons said. You know, maybe they think that, that, that Jesus actually came to just to ruin us, to ruin our fun, to ruin our autonomy, to ruin our lives in some form or fashion. Maybe some think that he came to keep us down and oppress us, to, to hold us under his thumb to keep us from being able to really live. And that's what Jesus came for. It's interesting. What we think about someone really dictates what we see and how we experience them. Psalm 18 says this, verse 25 and 26. This is about the Lord. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful, Lord. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the devious, you show yourself shrewd. You know, uh, how many remember the parable of the talents? How many remember, and it's in a few different places. And remember the, the wicked, evil servant? He did what with his talent, the resources he had? He hid it in the ground and he buried it because he said, because I knew you were a hard master. He didn't even know who Jesus was. To know that he was hard, that he was, that he was somehow, you know, that he was nasty, that he was, that, you know, I need to bury it because this guy's no good. Didn't even know him. Like that person you don't like until you know them. How many have ever experienced that? You see, you see somebody and you have an interaction with them and you're like, wow, what's going on? You don't really care for them. And you get to know them and you're like, oh my word, I, I, I missed out on this. When you don't know God, when you don't know Jesus, when you haven't experienced him, when you're in opposition to him, he appears one way because your heart is turned against him. But when your heart is turned toward him and you've experienced forgiveness, all of a sudden you see him for who he's always been. See, what we think about Jesus coming is pretty powerful. 
And the reality is, if you look at John 10.10, he says he came to give life, and life, the King James says, more abundantly, or a, 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 a full life. So that's very true. Jesus came for those things. Mark 10, 45, uh, Jesus says, the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. What an incredible thing. What an incredible example. Aren't we grateful for that? John 6, 8 says, he came to do the will of the one who sent him, which is, should be our heart too. I, I'm here to do whatever God set before me. And I'm sure that's your heart, your desire. So when we think about Jesus coming, he did some incredible, life-changing things. But in our main scripture passage, he, always stay, he also states this, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. But didn't Jesus come to bring peace? I mean, Isaiah 9, 6 on the screen says this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of what? Peace. The Prince of Peace. Ephesians chapter 2, 13 and 14 talks about this similar, similarly, similarly, uh, you know what, that way, that word right there. So take that. Verse 13 says, but now in Christ, Jesus, you, uh, <laughs> that really got me there. <laughs> but now in Christ Jesus, you who, were, who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier and the dividing wall of hostility. And I would say wholeheartedly that the scripture teaches us that Jesus is our true peace. How many have experienced that? When he's in charge of your life, things that were in chaos, peace has been brought there. But one thing we need to recognize about the context of the original passage in Matthew chapter 10 is that he's calling the 12 and really us, but he's calling these 12 to a devotion to him that goes beyond even the strongest human connections that you can have in this lifetime, your family, your ties that are there. Now, again, I understand that some of you have family dynamics that are other than stellar, other than enjoyable, difficult, hard. But there's probably someone in your family, even, even if your immediate family is very difficult, there's an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, a cousin who you're deeply connected with, who you love and you adore them for various reasons. And Jesus is saying that when it comes to even the strongest human connections you have, he, Jesus, is calling us to a complete allegiance to himself. See, the peace, this peace that, that uh, Jesus is talking about, uh, when it comes to the, the peace of God, which is his character and his nature, is referring to something different. This is resulting, this is talking about his call. 
his call in our life, his lordship over our life, his rule over our life. And you may think that's harsh or that's, that's very extreme. And I would agree. I, I, would, I would agree. Wow, that, that is extreme. But this is Jesus, the one who put every star in place, the one who is there um, as the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, the one who's always been, the one who walked on water here on this earth and brought sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf and, and caused the one that was lame that could not walk to get up. But that same Jesus, I think, is worthy to demand whatever it is that he demands from us. See, there are even aspects of our culture that require complete devotion, complete devotion, and we don't, we don't think anything of it. The, uh, the Soldier's Creed, you can put up that slide. See, the Soldier's Creed, and, and I know that there are, you have to forgive me if you're a Marine Corps here, you know, I apologize. Uh, this was the most succinct, you know, Semper, Semper Fi was the motto, is the motto of the Marine Corps, always faithful. Um, this, this one's a little more elaborate. These are for American soldiers, those in, in the Army. And it says this. This is the creed. And my son had to memorize it, and he still knows it. And I am an American soldier. I am a warrior and a member of a team. I serve the people of the United States and live the Army values. I will always place the mission first. I will never accept defeat. I will never quit I will never leave a fallen comrade. I am disciplined physically and mentally tough, trained and proficient in my warrior tasks and drills. I will always maintain my arms, my equipment, and myself. I am an expert. I am a professional. I stand ready to deploy, engage, and destroy the enemies of the United States of America in close combat. I am a guardian of freedom and the American way of life. I am an American soldier. Amen. So we, we accept that, right? We go, hey, if you want to volunteer, if you want to be a part, that's what it is. So why should it be any less when Jesus says, I know you function in your life this way. Maybe in the past you've done it that way. But if you're going to follow me, this is what is required. This is what is required. In Jesus saying that he has come, uh, not come to bring peace, but a sword, he is stating that devotion to him and him alone above all other relationships is absolutely required. And if the, if the U.S. military can demand devotion from its personnel, how much more can Jesus the creator, the one that made you, that knit you together in your mother's womb, be able to require that from you. And he uses these very specific examples. And he, he's quoting, if you look in commentaries and even your basic notes in your Bible, he's quoting from Micah 7, 6. And he's talking about the upheaval in Israel. But he's, he's, he's comparing these. He's bringing the New Testament, uh, the, the old, this Old Testament example into the New Testament. He said there'll be a, 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 a man against his father, or basically a son against their father. And uh, when you think about that, what a unique relationship. If you're, a, if you're a man in here, and you're fortunate enough, blessed enough to have your father still alive, and even more fortunate to have a positive relationship with him, uh, maybe you realize this, maybe you don't, but what a powerful thing 
for a younger man to have a healthy relationship with a father. How many, how many would attest to that, that that's a powerful relationship? Sometimes it's a complicated relationship. I know mine is. I have a complicated relationship and with, with my dad. Um, it's been complicated for a while. Some of it's been my fault. Some of it's been his fault. And some of it's all in between, right? You get that. But you understand what a powerful relationship that is. So he says, hey, even between a son and a father, that's uh, something where, where there's going to be conflict. A daughter and a mother, this is probably even a more complicated relationship than a son and a father. Uh, a daughter and a mother, tremendous love for each other, but all kinds of other things go on too that I know not of. Uh, I do not fully understand and am aware of. But what a tremendous treasure to have a loving, uh, encouraging, faithful relationship between a daughter and a mom. There are things that she understands as a mother that you don't as a daughter or maybe haven't experienced yet. Uh, I, I, I think, um, and I was thinking about my father-in-law um, over the past couple of days, especially because he's been able to be with us. And I think, you know, there are some days I think, how did he do it? How did he do it for all those years, you know? How did he, how was he faithful in this, faithful in that? I mean, my ad, the older I get, the admiration for those that have gone before me grows. How many have experienced that? You appreciate the things that they've done, the sacrifices made, even the decisions that had to be made, whatever it might be. But that daughter and mother, he said, even in that relationship, even in that relationship, I've, I've come to bring a sword there. And we'll, again, we're going to clarify this, uh, but a sword there. And the last example he brings uh, is kind of a funny example to me, a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I have, uh, I've just heard so many jokes about that in my life. So many people comment about those things. Um, and, uh, but one of the common things in Eastern culture was for a daughter to live in the son's home of birth, to be able to be trained in how to, how to do things, how to live. I mean, she had her mother's training, but now she's got a second layer, maybe graduate work. Uh, and so that makes sense that in that, in that same home, there's that dynamic of daughter-in-law and mother-in-law there. And these are powerful, a son and a father, a daughter and a mother, a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law. These are relationships that can have such blessing. These are relationships that can be truly in every way powerful, meaningful, helpful, you know, faith-building. But Jesus says very clearly... He says, I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And he says this, he says, your enemies, he says enemies will be right in your own household. Again, not an easy passage, a little disturbing, a little uncertain. What in the world is Jesus talking about? He's sending out his 12. He's giving them instructions, giving them some, some prophetic words, some little philosophy on what's happening and what's going on. And he says, this is a reality when he's sending out these 12. If I could have Nick and the team come that, that I have spoken to earlier to come on up. But Jesus is communicating that there are those in your own household or are closest to that will challenge 
the devotion and the lordship of your life. Let me just say it again. He's saying that there are those who know you best. There are those in your own household that you are the closest to that will challenge the devotion and lordship of your life. Now, in your household, if you are truly blessed, where people have a heart to serve God, that's, uh, that's made much easier. But let me ask you some questions. When push comes to shove, who will you and I obey? Jesus and his word or someone in your own household? Whose opinion will you form your decisions from? Jesus, the word of God, or what other people in your own household have to say? Who will you make priority? Who will you disappoint? Because you're going to disappoint somebody sometimes, right? Who will you side with in conflict? The devotion that he requires, that he said, this is how it is. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the one that brings peace. Wherever he goes, peace follows him. But there are moments and times and places where he says, hey, I am all these things, but I've also come to bring a sword. I will share you with no one. He says, your enemies, those who, whose ultimate devotion compete with Jesus, could be those closest to you. And think about it. Who are you going to listen to? Some random person at work or Jesus? Well, Jesus. You know, some random person. You're not, you're not going to pay a whole lot of attention to what they have to say, hopefully. But when the pressure is on to concede on a matter that you know is wrong or opposite of the gospel or with someone you love so dearly or are closest to, who do you choose? Verse 37 says this. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. You know, as, as a parent, and how many know you never stop being a parent, right? You just don't. It looks different, but you just don't ever stop. But of one that, that has uh, two daughters still at home, you know, over the years, there are some things that I've, I've said to, to my kids, and, and, and praise God. My, my kids, uh, yeah, praise God. My kids have, have, all this gray hair is from life in general. Um, they have been a blessing to me many, many times. But those moments when I've had to say, hey, this is not how we live. This isn't what we do. This is not what we're about. Um, I have to choose. I have to choose. You know, with Hans and I had to say, hey, you know, son, man, you know how much I love you. I'd, I'd die. I'd die for you. I would. But this is not what we're doing. This is not what you're going to be about. This is not how we're going to live. And those are hard. How many have ever had hard conversations like that? You're like, yes. Not, not, not always a good time. 
But as a parent, if you're a parent here, maybe you still have kids in your home, you have young ones, I would just challenge you, leave no doubt in the life of your children of who's the Lord of your life. Leave no doubt. Now, that doesn't mean be a tyrant to them, be an ogre, you know, be a, just a cruel person. Absolutely not. You, you might not even be saved. But when it comes to lordship, who's in charge of you? Children can't be in charge of you. Children's schedules can't dictate your life. <laughs> it's not how a healthy family is run. So when it comes to lordship, Jesus is saying, hey, I have come to not bring peace, but a sword. There are moments and times when that scripture becomes very real to you and to me. That even those that you love on this earth the most and are closest to are going to want to contest lordship. Is Jesus really the Lord of their life? Are they going to choose me? You have to choose Jesus. You have to. Or it says here very clear, these are the words of Jesus. If you don't, you are not worthy to be mine. Those are hard words. Those are difficult words. Now, before we receive communion today, I've asked uh, Nick and, and these, these team members here if they would lead us in a song. So if we could do this, could we stand together? Could we stand together? And we're going to receive communion in just a few minutes, but I want to encourage you, in the light of the Word of God, just worship Him. Just take a moment and worship Him. Maybe your heart is heavy from hearing this. Worship Him. Maybe you're affirmed that you've been making the right decision and it's been challenging, but you're praising God. Just worship Him. Well, let's take a few minutes and do that together. Jesus, I am thirsty. Won't you come and fill me? And earthly things have left me dry. And only you can satisfy.
sometimes the Lordship of Jesus collides with your relationships with each other. Uh, Ephesians says to husbands and wives, submit yourselves one to another. So sometimes there's overlap when you're submitting in a situation, when you're uh, recognizing the authority of, uh, of someone in life, you're actually in doing that, you are putting Jesus first. You're recognizing his lordship. And uh, what a great way to talk about lordship. What a great way to, to bring this message to something very powerful as we uh, remember the death and resurrection of Jesus as we recognize his body today. If you could put the, the bread in your hand today, hopefully, again, you have that near you. But if you could do that, and I'm going to read a passage. It says, For I, from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you, the Lord Jesus. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Could we receive that together today? And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And we're going to receive this together in a moment. And as we do that, we're literally proclaiming. We're receiving something, but something is also being shouted from our lives that I recognize who Jesus is, what he's done for me, what he continues to do, and what he's going to do in the days to come. Lord, we receive it with grateful hearts together. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, yes, Lord. Let's just sing that chorus quietly. And all I want is more of you. Sing it out. All I want is more of you. Nothing I desire. Nothing I desire, Lord, but more of you. Oh, as a benediction, let's just sing that again. All I want. our prayer today, Lord. That's what we long for, is to have more of you, God. Lord, we recognize that theologically we have all of you we're ever going to have. But the expression of who you are, the lordship of you, we want, we want it to show. We want it to be displayed. We want it to be obvious to everyone around us. And Lord, in this room, as I've spoken about your lordship and family, Lord, sometimes when they collide, it's very difficult, 
very challenging in so many ways. But God, I pray that we would determine in our hearts, our minds, our lives, that you are Lord, no matter what. Lord, that, that you are uh, the one we're devoted to beyond father or mother, beyond sister or brother or child or grandchild. Lord, we declare you as the Lord. And I pray, pray blessing on your people today. May they experience a new freedom. God, may they experience a new joy. May they experience uh, all kinds of things because of this fresh perspective. Bless them today. And God, as a church, make us a light wherever we go. We love you and we say thank you for this time together. Grateful for uh, this moment of worship. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Have a great day.